0: Right now, Pastor Todd is currently doing a series on Sunday called Words to Live By, and it's it's on the book of Proverbs. And um, when I first got saved, I wasn't the, the most uh, consistent Bible reader throughout the whole Bible, but it was easy for me to read the book of Proverbs because every day of the week has a chapter. And so I could if I missed something, I could pick right back up on it. So the book I'm the most familiar with is that book. So I'm loving this, this series. And so tonight I'm going to stay, uh, in that vein, uh, in the, in the book of Proverbs. And our theme scripture for tonight is, uh, is actually Proverbs 22 verse 1. 22 verse 1. It says, choose a good reputation over great riches. For being held in high esteem is better than having silver or gold. So choose a good reputation. Um, a while back, I was gonna do a series in the youth, um, and I wanted to go and ask people who were older than us, cause that saying, I wish I knew then what I know now. Uh, I wanted to ask people that were older than us, hey, if you were in high school, what would you tell, what would you wish you knew, rather? And so, um, one of the guys in the church was Brother Francis told me, man, Proverbs 22 1 is something I really, I wish I'd have realized way younger, is, I should choose a good reputation over anything else, and so how many of you know a reputation's important? It's very important, and it's I would venture to say one of the most important things you have is your reputation because you can't buy it, it takes a while to build up, and it only takes a moment to ruin your reputation um Billy Graham, when I say that name, his reputation precedes him right when I say um Drew Brees, his reputation precedes him. When I say Hitler, that's not a good one. His reputation precedes him. And so reputations are huge. People aren't the only ones with reputations, though. Um, businesses also have reputations. I'll give you an example. Costco. I've actually never been, but a lot of people, man, I say Costco, some ladies that really like to shop, man, that's their spot. You know, our target, right? Walmart, they all have a reputation. Chick-fil-A has a reputation. Um, I don't know about you guys, if I'm ever eating out and somebody says, my pleasure, after I tell them thank you, instantly I'm thinking, they work at Chick-fil-A. They work at Chick-fil-A. Um, one more example, um, iHob. I don't know if any of you guys heard of that. But um, the Internet is undefeated. Me and Pastor Kelly say that all the time. The Internet is undefeated. So for those of you who don't know what in the world I'm talking about, IHOP made an announcement that they were going to be changing their name to IHOP. And they were going to announce later what the B stood for. And so everybody's guessing it's International House of Breakfast or all these different things. And they come out and say it was the International House of Burgers. And so everybody's kind of like, what? Like, Why would they do that? And then come to find out they're not really changing the name. They just wanted to do a publicity stunt to get people talking. And it totally worked. However... (laughs) They're the brunt of a lot of jokes, like Burger King changed their name to Pancake King for a day. Uh, Wendy's came for them on Twitter and, and uh, social media. So I guess they wanted to correct their reputation. They had a problem. They, they knew everybody knew about their pancakes, but they wanted you to know about <laughs> clearly their burgers too, right? They wanted to correct their reputation. Well, tonight, looking at Proverbs 22, 1, um, choosing a good reputation, um I wanted to focus on something different so that the title tonight is a Christian reputation. A Christian reputation. So obviously you can go a lot of ways with that one. I think you could do a 12 week series on a Christian reputation, right? And there's a lot of opinions and and uh and niche opinions on what well, the church should do this or Christians should look like this or um so I'm not going to get too out of the weeds here. I'm going to keep it pretty simple. Um, but, but simple and practical and easy aren't all the ways the same thing. Amen. So, um, when I was in school, we did something called a social audit. And, um, really all that was is you had to go to different businesses in the area and you had to figure out, number one, what did they say their reputation was as a business? Number two, what do the employees say their reputation is as a business? Number three, what well, do other people say their reputation is as a as a business and how far off is everyone? Right. And so I kind of did a social audit with about 20 people from various backgrounds on the word Christian. And so what I did was I contacted 20 people. Some people grew up in church or still in church. Some people um did not grow up in church, have never been in church. Some people were in church and now they're out. It was all across the board. So I wanted to make sure I got a very um, wide range of test subjects, if you will. And I I asked them this question. I said, when I say that person is a Christian or use the term Christian, what comes to your mind? And um, the feedback I got was encouraging, convicting, and uh, moments I had like a sense of pride rise up and say, all right. And then there was moments that I kind of got a little offended, and I got a little defensive, and so I'm going to share the list with you, um, and so you might experience some of those emotions too, but just just hang with me, all right? Um, I'll start with the good. I'll start with the positive feedback first. So the positive feedback, um, and I'm going to put it like they said it. They texted it to me. So um Christians are kind people. Um, that's a good one. Another, um, most Christians I know are very loving I got caring, compassionate. Christians are very invested in relationships. I thought that was a very good one. Um, optimistic. It's hard to see a Christian bummed out is what somebody, uh, who isn't a Christian told me. Um, uplifting. Another friend of mine who, who's not serving the Lord said, um, man, I have a Christian coworker and <sighs> anytime I have a bad day, he's uplifting. Um, I had another person say selfless. Um, and then lastly on that list is joyful. Um, now, that first list uh, gave me a, a sigh of relief, but this next one is the other side of the coin, okay? Um, this is their feedback. They said exclusive, like a pay-to-get-in club, standoffish, an elitist mentality or attitude. Um, some of these aren't new. You've probably heard judgmental, gossipy. Self-righteous, not authentic. And so after getting that part of the feedback, my first internal gut reaction was to get defensive and offended. But then I realized the Bible said it's good to overlook an offense. So I had to hurry up and get over that. But then I, 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 the reason I got offended was I certainly don't want that to be the reputation. That's not cool. You know, that's not, that's not at all what I think. But the Lord using that business example, there there was very few businesses that we did a social audit on that the public and the workers said one thing, but the business said something else. There was very few businesses that liked hearing the negative feedback. They all liked hearing the positive feedback. The problem is if they don't address the negative, they're going to eventually lose business, right? And so for me... Um, this has been one of the most convicting, and it's not a deep message, but it's been one of the most convicting messages as I've been preparing, um, because I thought I was doing pretty well. <laughs> Obviously, uh, when the Bible does its job, it convicts you. So um, here we go. Tonight, I want to talk about just two characteristics um, that should be the reputation of a Christian. Just two. And after we leave, the good news is, after we leave here tonight, we're going to have these two, and if anybody that's close to us, gets asked, hey, what do you think of when they say a Christian? They're going to think of you and then they'll say these two things, hopefully. (laughs) So the first thing is, um, Christians should be loving. Christians should be loving. Now, I know that sounds simple and generic, but um, where do I get that from? John chapter 13 and verse 34 says, a new command I give to you. This is Jesus talking, love one another. That's the command. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's how Jesus, that was his master plan. He said, this is how they'll know you'll love one another. To him, love was the most important characteristics. In other words, if you're a Christian, you should be the most loving person at work. There's no excuse not to be. If you're a Christian, you should be the most loving person at school. If you're a Christian, you should be the most loving person in the grocery store or on the highway. I'm still working on the highway one, but right. It's a should be. It's a goal. It's an aim to. Um, To give you guys a little bit more of an example, we always honor the grads or the graduates here. And so this year we gave them a book um, as a gift and it was called Love Does. And the whole premise is loving well in a world that's difficult to love well. And it, it talks about the action of loving, not the feeling of loving. And so the author's name is Bob Goff, awesome guy. Um, If you ever see Bob Goff, he's uh, like, like um I mentioned him earlier, Billy Graham, was so non-controversial. That's how Bob Goff is. I mean, if people don't have a problem with this guy. He just loves people all the time. Um So Bob tells one of the stories in his book, and it kind of talks about the action of love. So when Bob was in high school, he was just a regular high school guy, and they had this guy come over one day on a motorcycle. And he had a motorcycle, which Bob liked. He had a beard, which Bob wanted, and I understand. And then he had a a good-looking girlfriend. And so Bob said, all right, this dude's driving a motorbike. He's got a beard. And he's got a good looking girlfriend. I care about what he has to say. And so what he ended up finding out was this dude was something called a Christian. And Bob didn't grow up knowing a Christian or knowing a whole lot about a Christian. And so to condense some of the story, Bob befriended him for a couple years. And then towards his senior year, he decided, I'm not going to finish school. Uh, I'm going to get my GED. I'm going to I'm going to head out. I'm going to go about two hours north. And work at a like a rock climbing place that I that I really like. And so, um, he was on his way out, and he thought, you know what, I'm gonna go stop and check out my buddy, and just tell him I'm heading out of town. And so he turns and he heads out of town. I'm sorry, he turns and he heads to his buddy's house. And when he gets there, he notices that the the good-looking girlfriend's over there. And so he's like, uh-oh, you know. So he knocks on the door. They open the door. it's, it's like. Junk everywhere. It looks like a bunch of presents. Like it must have been somebody's birthday. Um. So he tells his buddy what's going on. So his buddy said, well, hold on a second. And he closed the door in his face and he took about five minutes. He comes back to the door. He's got a duffel bag in one hand and a sleeping bag under the other hand. He said, hey, man, I'm coming with you. And the girlfriend's standing in the kitchen kind of looking. And he says, uh, yeah, I'm coming with you. Let's go. So 17-year-old Bob jumps in his uh, Volkswagen van, and they head on up there. So they spend a couple days up there, and this guy just loved on him and just kind of did life with him. And after two or three days, he said, all right, Bob. He said, look, I got to go to work. Um I, I was on vacation. It's about to be up. I'm going to head back. But look, man, I'm, I want you to know I'm always with you, man. If you ever need something, I'm there. I'm with you. But I got to go back. So when he's heading out, Bob ended up going back home with him. Well, come to find out, when Bob gets back home, the girlfriend's still there. Bob realized, to condense more of the story, they actually had, it wasn't his girlfriend. They had actually gotten married. They just got back from their honeymoon. He had three days left of vacation. So when he closed, when he opened the door initially, they had presents everywhere. That was from their wedding. And he must have went in and asked his new wife, hey, can I go with this kid? He's, he's about to go nuts. He needs someone. And so that's exactly what he did. He jumped in the car, he went. And right there, that's the situation that caused Bob to give his life to the Lord. Because what that guy told him was, I wanted to be with you because love does. And that's where this book came from, Love Does. He said, God's name is Emmanuel, God with us, God with us. And so that's the love that I believe Jesus is, is talking about. It's an action love. As, as I was studying and I was thinking about this, I believe Jesus commands us to love because he knew if people could experience his love through us, they'd want to know more about him. And that's true in God's, in, uh, uh not God, Bob's case. That's true. The problem is people are hard to love. <laughs> I get a lot of amens on that. I knew I would. People are hard to love. Um, if, if you don't think so, try, try it. <laughs> People are hard to love. Bob Goff said this in that book. He said, God created people. People create problems. But people aren't problems. People are people. People aren't problems. People are people. I think love becomes hard when we forget that people are people. Problems are problems, and they aren't the same thing. That's why John said, or Jesus said in John, a new command I give you. He commanded us. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I believe that Jesus had to command us to love one another because he knew there'd come a day where it would be much easier to quote a chapter and verse than to actually love somebody in the trenches. That's why I think he commanded it. I think it's way easier, and I'm not dissing reading a chapter and a verse. But sometimes people are stuck in the mud and they need you to get in there and pull them out. And and that's what love looks like. Love's not telling them the solution in a verse and, and turning around. Love's getting dirty. And I think that's why Jesus had to make it a command. So how do we love? How do we love? What does love look like? Well, love looks like Jesus. Love looks just like Jesus. 1 John 4, chapter 7 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who has been born of God and knows God, whoever does not love God, does not know God because God is love. Sorry. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his only son into the world that he might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So what does love look like? Love looks like Jesus. Love looks like Jesus. Jesus very rarely quoted chapter and verse, but he always spent time with people. He always spent time with people. Now, as I was studying this around this time, I thought, well, well, around this time, God really humbled me. Cause just when, if you read your Bible consistently, you notice just when you think you're doing pretty good, God, God exposes some, some areas, uh, in, in you. And so the Holy Spirit took me on this, on this, uh, journey, um, on, on the thought process of the reputation that I might have, um, as a loving Christian. And so, This is what the Holy Spirit led me to do. Uh, I read 1 Corinthians 13, which we'll do in a second. But before, before doing that, the Lord said, I want you to think about the reputation of the Pharisees. And then I want you to think about the reputation of Jesus. And then read this verse. And so I think about the reputation of the Pharisees. And I think about the reputation of Jesus. Let's read this together. It said, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self seeking. It's not easily angered and it keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes and it always perseveres. Love never fails. Soon as I read that, the Holy Spirit asked me, real quick, Who do you look like more? The Pharisees? or Jesus. And initially, of course, I'm a Christian. Of course, I look more like the Pharisees. But then I started thinking of a few things just this past week that I did that don't look like Jesus. It looks more like the Pharisees. So I say all that to say, I'm not, like I said last time, I'm not speaking from a place of arrival, but I'm speaking about where I want to be and where we need to head. Um, You know, this is what the Lord showed me. And and we've heard this, I've heard this before, but if we aren't careful, we can so quickly get caught up in the works of being a Christian and being a good person that we quit comparing ourselves to Jesus and we start comparing ourselves to the next person or to our neighbor. But it's when we start looking at who Jesus is and what Jesus looks like and how Jesus loves that we realize, man, it's hard to hit the mark as much as we think we do. That's why we have to depend on On the grace of God to love like that. Let's have a reputation um, for loving people well. Proverbs 3, uh, verse 3 says this Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. I like the way the NLT says that last verse. Then you'll win favor with both God and people, and you will gain a good reputation. And you would gain a good reputation. How? By making sure love and faithfulness never leave you. So at this point, there's always the yeah, but how point in a message. You know, I hear you, but how? And the truth is, that's a whole series on how to love people. There's a ton of literature on, on there. So I put together just a few things and then some great reading for those who want to know the yeah, but how. But the first way I would say is serve people. Serve them. Jesus said in Matthew 23, the greatest among you is the one who serves. Pick up paper off a copy machine for someone at work. Being loving doesn't have to be moving an entire house. Sometimes being loving is just a kind gesture. Somebody's busy at the office, pick them up a, a bite of food. You know, serve people. Um I, Shameless plug, serve day is July 21st. Um, Sign up to be a part of that. Um. Many of you have grandparents or parents who are in a, in a nursing home. And you know, I, I, I had one. You know, not many people get to visit them as much. We do that. You know, Some many of you know widows who, man, they're, it's hot out there and, and they're trying to cut their own grass. But we're going to do some of that. There's so many things you can get involved in. So try to be a part if you can. Another idea um, on how to love people well, especially nowadays, is give people undivided attention. Um, look, I'm the pot talking to the kettle when I, when I'm fixing to say this, but put the phone down when you're talking with people. It's hard for someone to feel loved whenever you're, or, or feel like you're really engaging with them when you're looking through Facebook or texting somebody else. And I, look, I'm guilty of that, but that's a practical way. Now, again, I don't want to get too, too caught up in, in how you're supposed to love someone. If you read First Corinthians 13, it, it's pretty hard to, to achieve that, but, Love Languages, another plug. If you guys haven't checked out Dr. Gary Chapman, check out his love languages. Couples, learn each other's love language. There's a love language for singles. If you're single, he wrote a book on that. There's a love language in the workplace if you want to know on that. There's so many resources. Bottom line, let's be people with a reputation of loving well, amen? So second point is um, the last reputation characteristic um that Christians should aim for. The second and last point is being forgivers. We should be known as being forgivers. One of the people that I asked about this um was telling me about a situation that he had done and he couldn't believe that a person actually called him later on in life to tell him, hey man, I just want you to know, and this is one of the non-Christian people, I just want you to know, um I forgive you for what you did to me in high school. It was a high school situation. And he said, man, I couldn't get over that. I've never had anybody else call me. And I know that's because that guy's a Christian. You know, the first thing God did after creating us was love us. And that's the love that led to the second most important thing he did. And that's forgive us. That's forgive us. Um, the most famous verse in the Bible joins love and forgiveness together. And it's John three sixteen It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God did not send his own son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. Save it from what? Eternal death. And how? Through forgiveness. So I noticed that some of the biggest headlines um, in the news, some of the biggest stories we hear, or most impactful stories we hear, are stories of radical forgiveness, stories of of things that make us say, how could that person forgive that person? And some of you might remember hearing this story. I think it was a couple years ago. Um, but the guy's name was Davy Blackburn. Has anybody does anybody remember hearing anything about this guy, Davy Blackburn? Um, I'll sum up a little bit of what happened. He was in his late twenties. Um, he was a pastor, and he had just gotten married. And he was on staff at a church when him and his wife. Felt the Lord call them to go plant a church somewhere. Just that right there, man. That's a hard. That's a hard job to do. Plant a church. But they took it. They did it. They left everything they knew. They went somewhere where they didn't know a soul, and they planted this church. Well, his wife ended up getting pregnant. Um, so they're planting a church. She's she's going through the, the stuff with a pregnancy, and one morning about 4:30 in the morning, I think they were there for about four years at this point. 4:30 in the morning. He gets up, he grabs his gym bag, and he heads out and goes to the gym. And he comes back about an hour and a half later to find his front doors kicked in and his wife, his pregnant wife, is laying on the living room floor dead. Two guys had broken the house. They shot her three times twice in the stomach, once in the head, killed her. That's what he came into. A year later, He's doing an interview with another pastor um, about the situation, and I want to play a clip and and I want to watch that real quick. It's just about it's just like two minutes.
1: I had no idea um, who these who these guys were, but then the first time I ever felt any kind of anger, um, which which anger is not a bad emotion. Um, what you do with that can be sin. Yep. But the first time I felt anger was when they arrested them, and I saw the photos of the guys. And so in that moment, I really had to wrestle with this. And what I realized was that forgiveness isn't an emotion. That I wasn't ever going to feel like forgiving them. Um, that's just just point blank. You're, you're never going to feel like forgiving somebody for doing something to you um, that, that is irreparable. Um, you know, and, and so no matter what the degree of it is, you're just not going to feel it. And so what I, what I realize is that forgiveness is a decision and it's not just a one-time decision. It's a daily decision. Yeah. Yeah. And so literally Perry, every day I have to wake up and sometimes I'm faced with those feelings a little bit stronger than others, sure. other days, sure. but I have to wake up and I have to decide to forgive. And here's why I decided to to decide to forgive is because bitterness and unforgiveness is going to be a cancer to no one else except for me. And it's going to eat me up inside if I hang on to that. Um, And at the end of the day, like I said, the Lord said, revenge is mine. And so the fact that um, on this side of eternity, who knows what's going to happen. But on the other side of eternity, again, Jesus is going to restore and make all things bad completely untrue, right? And so he he's going to take care of vengeance. All I have to do is trust that he's got all of this in control. Um, the cross was a verse 4 moment, the valley of the shadow of death, where all of Jesus' disciples could have raised up and said, we've got to get revenge, we've got to have retribution. The resurrection shows us that God is a much better um, avenger than we are. Um, and he brings life into it. He doesn't bring death into it. He brings life into it. And so I just didn't want to be eaten up by unforgiveness and bitterness. And honestly, Perry, um, I know this sounds crazy, and I honestly don't know how I'm going to do it outside of the, the grace of God, but I really hope I get the opportunity to share the gospel with these guys. I really do. I honestly have no idea how to Don't sit there and be like, man, he's incredible. I have no clue. But where the Lord has me on my journey right now, the people he's placed in my life, the stories that I've heard of people who have gone through even um, bigger tragedies than I have and who have done that very thing, it has inspired me to say, man, truly nothing is wasted. Can you imagine, imagine this, imagine if these three guys met Jesus.
0: That blows my mind. How you you can have the dreams of a lifetime be stripped from you, he said it, it's irreparable. And a year later, be telling a lot of people, man, I I forgive these guys, and I hope I can meet them and share the gospel with them. Man, you know, I cannot relate to that. You know, and I don't know that there are many of us that can relate to that struggle, or the level of the struggle that that guy has. But many of us have had irreputable damage done to us and there i'm sure there's stories in every pew of something that someone's done an offense that someone's done to you and you can't undo it you can't get it back jesus understands that too but one of the most powerful things that we can do as christians for others and for us is be forgiving he said something um two things in that video that really struck out at me. He said, um, he said, forgiveness isn't an emotion. It's a decision. And it's not a one-time decision. It's a daily decision. How many of you can understand and relate to that? It's not a one-time decision. Forgiveness is every day. Every time you think about that thing, you got to get your heart right again. Um, He also said another thing, bitterness and unforgiveness is like cancer and it only eats me up. It doesn't affect anybody else doesn't affect anybody else. You know, when, when he talked about it's a daily thing, Jesus said that first. You know, when he said it's forgiveness is a daily thing, I didn't realize, but Jesus actually said for us to forgive every day because the daily prayer he taught us to pray was the Our Father. And in Matthew 6, 12, it says, And forgive us our sins just as we have forgiven those who sinned against us. Um, and if that's not hard enough, Jesus takes forgiveness a step further. In Luke 6, he said this in verse 27, but if you're willing to listen to me. So Jesus is saying, if you're willing to listen to what I got to say, this is what I say. You love your enemies. You do good to those who hate you. Pray for the happiness of those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. So don't just pray for, pray for the happiness of those who have offended you. Man, that's a tall order. But we should strive to have a reputation for being forgiving. Now, I know there's two sides to the forgiveness coin. There's the side that we just talked about, being the person to release a wrong, right? But there's also the repentant side of forgiving. And that's another thing that we should have a reputation for, it, is we should be known as a people who quickly own up to wrongs and apologize and ask for forgiveness had a friend of mine in college right after I got saved. Um he, he wasn't a Christian. And then he he ended up getting saved, giving his life to the Lord here at Family Life. And about two months later, um, we're doing dishes or cooking or something. And he had a heavy mind. And I said, Man, I can tell you got a really heavy mind. What's going on? And he said, Man, I'm having trouble sleeping. It's like, Really? And so we just kind of chatting and he says, You know what, dude, I don't know if it's connected, but I keep thinking about a teacher in high school. I did something terrible to her. And he said, Ever since I got saved, or I did that thing at the church, you know, he didn't know what to call it. Um, he said, Ever since I did that, I can't get this out of my mind. I said, What? He said, Well, they had a teacher that I used to headbutt all the time. And um Man, he said, one day in class we were getting riled up and honestly, it was me. I was I was a terrible He's been a terrible kid. And he said, and as soon as I said something I knew would set her off, I was by the little speaker in the class and I pulled the the switch to where the office would hear everything that she said. And so she came guns ablazing at him and the office heard everything she said, and she lost her job over that. And years later, he can't sleep because he he keeps thinking about that. And so he said, "Man, I, I feel like I need to find her and apologize to her and ask her if she'll forgive me." And I said, "Man, I, I think you should." You know, and so he he called the school and she had retired. They didn't know where she lived, and he's trying to figure this out. He runs into her at the grocery store. hadn't seen her in years. Runs into her at Rouses. And I didn't know who she was. And man, we're walking, and I mean, we're we're pushing a grocery cart. And all of a sudden, he, he's gone. I turn around and he's like pacing back and forth. But well, I didn't realize we were heading towards her. And he comes. He's like, "Man, that's the that's the lady." I said, "That's the girl." And um, so I'm looking for a, like a, a little girl. And I'm like, "Who's the girl?" You know? He says, "That that's the that's the the girl I was telling you about." So what? He said, "The teacher." I was like, "Oh my gosh!" So right there by the milk and dairy, he went make up to this this lady. Y'all, when he when he went up to her, she the look she had on her face when he walked up, she could have if those eyes would have had bullets, he'd have been a dead man. He walked up to her and just he started crying. He told her, I'm so sorry. He started repenting. Before you know it, they're crying by the milk and eggs, hugging, right? And he could sleep. He could sleep. But the point the point is he had to get that off his chest. He had to forgive. And or he had to repent. Rather, and I got about imagine she's probably way better off too matthew five twenty three says so if you're standing before the altar in the temple, offering a sacrifice to God and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there beside the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice at the altar. Maybe while I'm saying this, maybe you have one of those things. Um you know, Pastor Todd told a story one time that he had somebody's baseball be taken someone's baseball glove, and he went and look it's it's never crazy. you never know the impact you could have on someone if that if they're you know coming to your mind right now, and you think, man, I, I need to apologize for that, I need to repent to them. We ought to be known for that. we ought to be known for being a repented, forgiving people. so if that's you, can I encourage you? Don't just listen to this message. Just go do it. Just go do it. In Romans 12:17, it says, Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do your part to live in peace with everyone as much as possible. So one thing that I, I know I've heard something like this preached on before, I thought was a great disclaimer. I don't want anybody to leave and think, man, I'm doing everything I can, and they and, and they don't want to forgive me and feel like God is angry at you or anything. No, the Bible says do everything that you can do for them to forgive you. Only you and the Lord know that that if you've done everything that you can do. So be be released from that. I, don't don't wear that uh, that weight. On the flip side, though, if somebody's resisting that repentance, keep your heart right. And stay open to reconciliation. Don't allow rejection to piggyback on bitterness and unforgiveness. That can happen. And so stay open. So altogether, I think if Christians would stick to being loving people, and it's not easy to do, we read that earlier, and then forgiving people, man, what, what a what a, a reputation. We don't have to be hob. We don't have to be any of that stuff. It's just those two things right there. That's the biggest deal. That's the biggest deal. Would you stand with me as we close? In Romans 5, chapter 8, it says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And so the gospel is called good news because it is really good news. And maybe you wandered in here tonight and you would say, Look, I wouldn't necessarily consider myself a Christian. or um, I don't really know if, um, if Jesus is my Lord or, you know, maybe you're in here tonight and you feel like you want to know that. You want to know for sure that you're a Christian. If that's you, if everybody would just bow your heads just briefly, um, once you slip up your hand, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to point you out. But look, we serve a really good God. Jesus really does care about you and he loves you and he wants to meet you and you could do that right now. You could meet him right now. If there's anybody in here you would say, man, I want to know, I want to know him. I'm not going to point you out. But just slip up your hand. Anybody at all. I see, I see your hand. Thank you. Let's just pray this together. And if you raised your hand, pray this from your heart. There's nothing special about me, nothing special about the prayer. What's important is that it comes from your heart. So let's just pray. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for the sins that I've committed. I don't want to be far from you. I want to be close to you. Would you come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, and take control of my life. I surrender to you. In Jesus' name. Now, with eyes still closed, I just want to ask two questions. or I want you to ask the Holy Spirit two questions. God still speaks today. And so expect to hear something in your mind, in your spirit. But ask the Holy Spirit, am I loving like Jesus does? Am I loving like Jesus does? And then ask, am I a forgiver like Jesus is? thinking about that i'm going to pray over you as we close out the service but i'm just going to pray that that the lord would place someone on your heart because we no one's lived a sinless spotless life and nobody's perfect so chances are there may be someone that you might need to repent to and that you might need to forgive and so i'm just going to pray and ask that let the lord will put that on your heart jesus we know that you convict us because you love us God, I thank you for conviction. I pray that you would convict me even still. Convict everyone in this room in a way that puts your finger right on the source of a problem. Unforgiveness is a problem. God, I pray that right now you would bring the person's face to mind of anybody that needs to forgive or be forgiven. And God, I just pray that you would give give us the grace to walk that out. God, we wanna be obedient. The word says to know what you ought to do and not do it is sin. We don't want to fall into that. We want to be obedient. Now, Lord, we need your grace to love like you. God, when we compare ourselves to others, it's easy to feel good. But when we compare ourselves to you, you love better than us. So give us the grace to love like you do. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you guys as always. It's an honor. If you need prayer for anything, we'll be up here. Other than that, we're dismissed.